Well, I am so excited to introduce to you guys one of my favorite women in the world, Bianca Stingle, who <laughs> is gracing us on today's The Altitude Collective podcast all the way from Chicagoland. How's yeah. it going in Chicagoland, Bianca? I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Miko. This is such an honor. So help the listeners um, learn a little bit about you. What do you have going on in Chicago? Okay. So, uh, I am a wife to my husband, Jeremiah, and he and I are lead pastors at a church in Bolingbrook, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. And we've been doing that for about a year and a half. I'm also a mom of two. I have a nine-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son, and I also homeschool. So I, my life's a bit swirly, but I love it like that. And And uh, it's just an adventure every day. I guess that's a nice way to put it. But yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. kind of summing up where my life is at right now. Yeah. So, you know, during the week, are there very routine days that you have or is every single day completely different? Yeah. You know, the the overall week is somewhat of a routine. I would say I kind of do some similar things every Monday and similar things every Tuesday and so on. Um, But yeah, it's a mixture of ministry, whether it's at the church or working from home and then also taking care of my household and homeschooling my kids. So it, that, like I said, it, it's, it's kind of crazy and swirly, but it's, it's good. Um, and yeah, so it, it's this season of balancing being lead pastor with my husband and how much I ought to be at the church or how much I feel like I should be at the church. And then also, making sure that I fulfill this calling as a mom, um, and all of that. So I I spend some times in the office. Typically I give like a day in the office once a week and then the rest of the time I'm, I'm in and out. And then of course I'm there on Saturday and Sunday for, for different church events. Sure. Now, is this, uh, your first venture in ministry or how, how, what was the lead up to, uh, taking on a church? No, this I've been in ministry for several years now. And, um, before we came here, we were on staff for about 13 years, um, at another church and, uh, we did several roles there, youth pastor, ministry school director. I was over women's ministry. I spent a season over leadership development. Um, and then before that we met at a school of ministry doing ministry there. So we've been in ministry for a while and, um, this lead pastor role has is really new to us and we are learning a lot and uh, <laughs> leaning on the Lord for sure for wisdom and uh, embracing this this season and this journey so Welcome to the Altitude Collective Podcast, a series of conversations geared towards elevating discussions centered around living life, chasing dreams, recovering from hardships, and being proximate with our people and our locality and the issues that may be surrounding us today. On this episode, I am joined by my good friend, Pastor Bianca Single, one of the lead pastors of Living Water Community Church in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Our discussion focuses on what it's like to be a woman in ministry these days and what true leadership looks like in the difficult discussions churches are having to face when it comes to diversity. I wanted to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Brevity Wallets. Get your sleek, thin card slide wallet now from Brevity Wallets by heading to brevitywallets.com and use our special promo code ALTITUDE when you check out for 25% off. I absolutely love my super sleek and durable card slide wallet. It looked really good. I love carrying it around. You barely notice that it's even there. And I know you're going to love it too. All right. You're really going to love this episode with Pastor Bianca Stingle. Stay tuned. Let's jump back in. So what's been um, maybe one of the biggest lessons that you've learned since taking on lead pastor role? Wow. Um, I would say that your timeline is you can never really anticipate the timeline in which 
you feel like you'll reach the vision that God has placed in your heart because, you know, there, there's so many things that God put in our hearts that we were so excited about seeing in action and things we were passionate about doing and reaching people that, that don't know Jesus and, and all of this, but it doesn't work at the pace that we thought it would. And it's not a wrong pace. It's just a different pace. And so Mm -hmm. really resting in the timing of God is, is really what we're learning and learning how to enjoy the journey at the pace that God wants us to and, and finding the joy in that, because if not, then you're always going to feel frustrated. You're always going to feel like, man, why isn't this happening yet? Or why haven't we reached this landmark or whatever? And God's revealing, no, this is the timing that I, I have set out. And it's important that you enjoy the journey as you go. Cause you'll miss out on some truly beautiful parts of the walk and, uh, and really just trusting the pace that God gives you. So that's probably the biggest lesson because my husband and I are both very fast paced, if you will. And, uh, and I think that that's, that's part of our personality that God wired us with, but at the same time, uh, God's kind of not pulling the reins because that's, that's not accurate because, uh, I, I believe he's just teaching us, um, how to do things a little different and, 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 and embracing that. Yeah. And so, um, digging deeper into, into that a little bit, you know, you mentioned how, uh, you and your husband are, are, um, your personalities are, are somewhat fast paced. Um, this slowing down that you talk about, does that create any sort of insecurities in you? You know, I, I don't know if it creates insecurities. I think we all have, like, I know for me, I already have insecurities. So, um, I think that what it does is it does let those insecurities rise to the surface and, Mm. um, just being willing to deal with them. And, uh, if you're in tune with God, he'll allow you to see them and recognize them as they come up to the surface and giving it to him because there are times and, and a lot of times, sometimes it's not insecurity. Sometimes he'll reveal motives that weren't necessarily pure, uh, and more ego driven. And as much as we don't want to admit, Hey, I'm doing this for man. I'm doing this all for God. A lot of that selfish ambition will rise up when you have to slow down and you don't necessarily see results as fast as you want them to. Um, and then also it, it reveals a lot of areas that we might be self-reliant versus relying on God to, to really show up and do what he's wanting to do. And I I mean, I'm just, I look at all the junk that's coming up, but like pride, all of these things will rise up and God see, that's where that inner working happens when you slow down Mm -hmm. and God is just as much concerned about my character and my development and expanding my capacity, uh, not just to do ministry, but even uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, all of those things. He's just as concerned about me developing there, um, as he is about the reach that I have on the outside. And so he's, he's wanting both of those areas to grow at the same pace. And so that's one thing that I'm grateful for, uh, for slowing down is a lot of that junk will come to the surface and allow me to to really deal with it. And so I believe as I let God deal with those things, then the church will naturally grow as well. And so it's, it's kind of, it's a hard process. That's for sure. It's not easy uh, looking at those things and those insecurities that, that rise up. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, when God calls us to different locations and my wife and I have, um, moved a, f- a few times now since we've been married. And, and each time my heart connects with the city and I'm, I'm deeply invested in the cities that I live in. And I, I think about, okay, well, God has called us to this place and he's called us to do so much in the cities that we're in. And then, you know, it takes a little bit of slowing down or even pausing to step back and say, 
well, wait a second. It's not just about the locality or the people that's in that city uh, or, or, or in your community. It can actually be about you as well. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking about different seasons, different places that we've lived where God intentionally, specifically was working on a very specific part of our character and, yes. and, 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 and poured into us um, different values that we really had a deficit in and mm. needed to pick up um, and was able to do that in that in that locality or in that season yeah. um, that we were in. That's so good. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about your current role uh, as far as it relates to being being lead pastor at at your church there and how it impacts your your day to day. How do you you know, when I think of lead pastors, you know, they're super busy, super busy relationally, super busy building systems and, you know, things like that. How do you juggle all of that? And juggle the fact that you have a, a a husband and two kids, you know, a house to that I'm sure you are CEO over. <laughs> how how are you juggling all of that stuff? Uh, juggling is a great word because it it feels like that all the time. Um, it definitely feels like that. And uh, another way that I like to put it when I'm explaining it to people is I feel like I'm spinning plates. So I am always like, oh, let me take care of this plate right here. This one's okay. All right, let me move over here and let me take care of this one. Um, it's unique. And another hat that uh, you may, didn't mention is I'm also viewed and in a role of a pastor's wife. So it is very unique to be a pastor and a pastor's wife. Um, I haven't seen a lot of those models, to be honest, you know, typically it's either pastor's wife, um, or, you know, I, I, I've seen it here and there. I think actually now in today's age, you see more of that. So it's really cool to, to see that modeled, but I feel like it's, I'm, I'm running as it's also evolving. So I haven't really seen it as much. Um, but it, it's, it is I, w I would never say it feels balanced because it doesn't ever feel <laughs> balanced. I always feel like, okay, yeah. this one's surviving right now on its own. Let me run right. over here and take care of this. Um, right. and so it, and, and just always switching and, uh, uh, you know, just being honest, even though I spend a lot of time at home, my house is not 100% clean all the time. And I wish I, it was, I would love for it to be, but it's just not, I, right now I have overflowing. <laughs> laundry baskets that still need to be folded and, and things like that. And I, the Lord is teaching me, there's just some things that you just have to let go because there are more important things and there will always be laundry. Um, there will always be things that have to be picked up. Um, and this is just speaking from a, like a personal need that I have. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a woman thing, but I know I've heard from a lot of, of women that work, um, but that their home really is a place where it's like, Oh, I still have to do X, Y, Z. And my dishes are overflowing mm. and all of this stuff. And it is a real internal struggle that women sometimes feel. And they, they sometimes feel like, Oh, I'm failing because my house is not spotless or my kid is not doing so well in this subject or whatever. And, and, uh, and that's something women really take personally, because we want to succeed. We want to feel like our home is in order and that our kids are, you know, living their best life that, that we feel like they should be. Um, and it doesn't always look like the Instagram photos that people are posting. Yeah. In fact, probably majority of the time it, it feels like the opposite. And I just, for me, I just want to encourage any women out there that work and our moms and our wives that like, you're doing a great job. And mm -hmm. don't measure the level of your success by all the laundry being folded and put away and your house vacuumed and mopped and cleaned like that. That's always going to be there and enjoy the time where you get to have this time where you're, you're youthful with your husband, but also that your kids are in the home. That's what I'm trying to do is yeah. enjoy those moments and slow down because older moms that have grown kids, they tell me all the time they will 
one day be out of the house and you will miss it. So enjoy their, mm. their loudness and enjoy the, the messes they make. Um, because one day you won't have that anymore and you'll have all the time in the world to do ministry. Um, mm. So that's one thing that I'm learning is because I, it, and yeah. also one thing I feel sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't give enough time at the church. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't give enough time to the people in our congregation. And I have awesome women that are older that their kids are grown and they tell me you have young kids. Like that's just the season you're in. So wow. that is where God has you right now. So enjoy that season right now. Cause one day you will, you will be able to give more of your time to, to the church, but until that time, enjoy the season you're in now. So I'm trying to embrace that <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, and trying to not say, Oh, feel guilty, I guess, um, that I'm not right doing X, Y, Z for the church. Or then when I'm at the church, Oh, I'm not doing this for my family. <laughs> so, um, right, I hope right. that kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. So let's give a little context to kind of some of those things that you were just talking about. Let's talk about, uh, your kids. If you don't mind, maybe yeah. give, um, your ages and kind of their, uh, a little snapshot of their personalities. Yeah. Uh, I have a nine-year-old daughter. She's about to turn 10 and she's in the fourth grade and her name is Makani Jane Stingle. And she is, uh, her, her name actually means God's gracious wind. And she it lives up to her name. She is kind of a whirlwind and she's got a strong personality and she likes things done her way. <laughs> and, uh, but she is just this bright ball of energy. And I, I love, uh, who she is because even though she's has such a strong personality, she has one of the most compassionate, tender hearts I have ever seen. She will notice like at church, uh, when she's at church, um, there will be tons of kids, but if she notices a new person walk in, she will immediately walk up to them and try to draw them into, uh, the crowd and make them feel welcome. And I, I share that from other people saying, Hey, McCauley was doing this today. I just, I would like you to know that that's how she behaves in kids ministry. And so like, to me, it's, you know, and if she knows someone's hurting or or if someone's feelings are hurt, she will take that on and, and hurt with them. So she is definitely energetic, but has such a tender heart. And then I have a six-year-old son. His name is Kai Joseph Stingle. And he is my, oh, he's hard to explain because he's super goofy and super funny. He makes us laugh all the time. Um, and yet he is very, very meticulous. And, um, uh, I would not be surprised if he was an engineer one day because he loves Legos and creating and, and learning how things work. He'll take something apart so that he can see how it works and then put it together and make sure that it works right. Um, he's just, he, is he processes, you know, you can tell in his six year little mind, you know, because I said, so does not work with him at all. He is, you have to explain stuff and break it down. And you can tell when I'm explaining the why behind something, his brain is like, he'll kind of start glazing over cause he is processing, um, what I'm saying. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see that in a six-year-old. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're really great kids. I love yeah, them a lot. Um, really enjoyed my time with them, uh, this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So thanks for giving us that context. Yes. Um, I think that helps people to know, you know, or, or paint a picture a little bit of, you know, uh, what home kind of really looks like, uh, for you, especially as you gave such great advice, uh, earlier. Now, as we were speaking about, um, being, kind of just a woman really in the workforce, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, sometimes we, uh, in that conversation earlier, we kind of ventured outside of the church, but, um, I want to jump back into the, the conversation regarding being a pastor's wife and a lead pastor and a lead pastor help us understand just in case people are, um, unaware when someone is designated as a pastor's wife, what does that 
look like? What maybe are some misnomers or some generalizations that people may have in their mind when they hear uh, the, the, the name pastor's wife? You know, I think that there are so many different uh, expectations that people have, and they don't even realize that they have of pastor's wives. Um, you know, there are the typical ones where a lot of pastor's wives, they'll, they'll sing, um, or they, they make, they decorate the church and they make the church look pretty, but not necessarily in a preaching role. Um, you have some that, that would like to see more of that and wanting, you know, the wife to, to equally be doing stuff with the husband and, or as far as, activity. Um, and then there are, you know, I think that there's, and then there's some people that are new to church and they have zero expectation. They don't even know what to expect. And I, that's really refreshing because then you don't have any expectations to live up to specifically. Um, and so it's, it's one thing that I realized in this role is regardless of what people's expectations have of me, um, to not let that affect my calling, um, and, and then projecting their expectations onto me. And I have to just do what I feel God has called me to do in this season of life. And that's the real key right there is knowing that each season will look different. And some people will expect you to just, Oh, this is always expected of you. And this is in, and the truth is, is that I'm going, my role will probably look different, um, as the years go on because of my personal life as well with my family and, and, and not all pastors wives feel the call that I feel specifically to my family. I just, that's something that, that is, that I feel like the Lord has spoken to me about raising my kids and, and, and raising up healthy kids. I want them to love the church. I want them to not resent ministry. So that's, that's why so much of my calling is, I have to kind of go in and out, um, with the church and my family. So not letting the church project things onto me, you know? And so, uh, just doing what I feel like this is what the Lord has called me to in this season. And, you know, when we were interviewing for the church, they, they were at, they, they asked that question about my role, you know? And my, my response was, is I can really only be me. You know, like I can just be me and, you know, I, I, my heart is to be involved as much as I can. Um, and so even before I married my husband, you know, I was called, you know, I did not meet my husband and then stepped into ministry. I was called before I ever met him. And so I know that the call of God is on my life for ministry. And so I am very passionate about being involved in ministry. Um, and so I want to be there. I want to be involved and, but also recognizing the season of my life has small kids. So, uh, just it's, it's one day at a time. And, and it's so funny because you don't realize people have expectations on you sometimes until they express their disappointment in you. Um, you know, Oh, you weren't here for this, or I really wanted to do this and, and all of that. So just, you know, having those real conversations with people, that's good, you know, and, right. and letting people know, I'm so sorry that you feel disappointed, you know, and I will do my best, but mm -hmm you know, this is why, you know, so. so. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, what I'm hearing, you know, obviously there is this, um, kind of, uh, spinning different plates in the air, uh, as it pertains to your life and as it pertains to the ministry that you're involved in, has there been, um, any instances, you know, over the, the years that you've been involved in ministry where, um, maybe someone has kind of been vocal about their displeasure in you as far as being a woman and preaching, or maybe they're looking at your life, you know, and how you're kind of raising your family and doing things. And they've, you know, um, uh, spoken a displeasure over that. How, uh, what is, give me a, give me an example of that. And then how did you 
work through that internally and externally, maybe with that person or group of people? That is a great question. Yes, I have actually experienced that several times throughout ministry. Um, But I I stay encouraged to know that majority of my experience is more positive. And I'm grateful for the day I live in where women in leadership in ministry is more embraced and encouraged. But yes, I still deal with that pretty regularly um, where you know, people just don't feel like women should be preaching, um, or teaching men. You know, I recently had an instance where I was preaching and I saw a man walk up, um, and just walk right out of the church. And it was at the beginning of my message. So, um, and at first I was like, well, maybe, you know, he has to go to the bathroom or whatever, (laughs) you know, there's so many different reasons people slip out. Um, I thought it was odd that it was at the beginning of the sermon. And then later to come to find out like this, this person actually does not believe that women should be preaching and teaching to men. And so I was like, what I felt in my heart was like, Oh, why is he walking out? You know, like, Oh, you know, it's cause I'm a woman. Um, I was like, well, I, uh, most of the time what I try to do is I just try to silence those thoughts because unless you know, it, it'll drive you crazy spending emotional energy on that. So I try not to do that. But then later on it circled back around that that was why he was walking out. And so I was like, huh, you know, like my initial inkling was right. But for the most part, I try to like silence those thoughts so that I don't go crazy (laughs) um, or get discouraged. But yeah, I I deal with those situations all the time. Or even sometimes in conversation, when I'm standing alongside my husband, sometimes it, it is pretty evident that they have more respect for him. And I don't, I don't think it's insecurity because I, I, even though I deal with insecurity, just like everyone else, I also feel pretty confident in who I am in the Lord. Um, but I, I see that there, there are times where people show more respect to him where they don't even like look me in the eye. They don't even address me because they're really there to talk to him. Um, and those are things I've, I've actually dealt Mm -hmm. with that for years. Um, uh, in ministry. And so it, it just hasn't gone away. And so I've, that, that's something that I have to take to the Lord regularly because it, it goes beyond, oh, well, they think he's more spiritual because he's the the male pastor or whatever. Um, it really boils down to like, yeah. but I'm a person standing right here, you know? So it's, right. it just goes, <laughs> it goes deeper than that. And, but then I, I, once again, I, I realize like people, that goes to their expectations. And sometimes they, they just have these expectations of the, the, the lead pastor. That's the man, you know, um, versus a woman that's right there. So. And do you have these conversations with, uh, with your husband and, and kind of how do those conversations uh, generally flow? (laughs) He's, He's very, very, uh, caring about these conversations. Cause he knows, you know, early on in our marriage, when it would happen, I mean, it would bring me to tears at times. I'm like, why do people act like that? You know, like I would never treat someone like that. If there's two people standing there, I would want to address both. So I'm like thinking it's common knowledge, you know? So I remember early on in our marriage, I would cry about those moments. Like, um, because it makes you feel less significant. It makes you feel less important as a person, not necessarily as a pastor or a pastor's wife. Um, and he yeah. was so gracious about that. He would just be encouraging and he would just say, I'm so sorry that that would happen. To, that happens to you. And he would, he's just so great at building me up as a person. Um, and so as the years have gone mm-hmm. on, I recognize, okay, this is just part of the territory. You know, this is as a woman, you know, the Holy spirit has just said, you has spoken to me, like, you're going to have to tough up, you know, like you were, you went to ministry school, Mm. you were trained that ministry was not going to be easy. And these are those moments you didn't anticipate these as the moments, but these Mm. are the moments where you have to just give it to me and, and be okay with sometimes feeling invisible around someone else or feeling invisible as a woman. Um, because you're not here for those people, you're doing it unto me. And so that's when, when the motives come out and that's when, the selfish ambition comes out and I realize, okay, 
once again, uh, this is for the Lord. And, uh, it, when people treat me that way, I have to go back to him and pour it out, um, onto the Lord. But I love that I have a husband as well that helps me process, you know, and it's, it's so funny because it's almost the exact same conversation. Oh, well this happened again. And I, they didn't even notice I was in their presence, you know, and, and it, it sounds exactly the same, but it yeah. just shows you that you never really get used to, um, those moments, but you can can handle them with so much more grace because the Lord strengthens you and it doesn't hurt you as deeply as it did when it first started. And my husband is just so great to, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I probably talked to him about this so many times. And yet he is always just as sensitive um, as he was from day one, you know, and is just, he, he is just right there mm. and he encourages me and he'll say, well, you're valuable to me, you know? And so I'm thankful that I do have a husband that, um, is sensitive to that and, um, and also doesn't brush it off like, Oh, you're being sensitive or, Oh, you know, I'm sure that's not what was going on. He, right. he really takes to heart what I, I share and then builds me up and I'm like, okay, I got this. And I just brush it off and I move forward myself, you know? So have you, you know, outside of, outside of ministry, outside of the church, has there been moments where you have felt discriminated against because you, are a woman or maybe because you have, you know, a Pacific Islander background, um, race, that kind of thing. Um, have you experienced anything like that? I definitely have experienced, yeah, outside of the church, I've, I've, I've definitely been experienced things where I'm, I'm treated differently because I guess I'm, I'm five feet. So I'm just this short Pacific Islander girl that, you know, and, and I look younger than my age. A lot of people (laughs) sometimes say they're surprised when they find out my age. Um, and so I, I sometimes feel like I'm treated that way. I mean, I've even gone to, like dinners and lunches where I'm going out to eat with someone who is Caucasian and tall and beautiful. And like the check gets handed to them, you know, like, and just like, Oh, just past right. Like there was assumptions made that I would not be, you know what I mean? And I know that that seems like it's little, but I'm like, hello, I'm paying for the check actually, (laughs) you know? So, and those were the moments were that were kind right, of eye opening right. for me. Um, that that kind of stuff still happens today. It doesn't happen very often, um, mm. but I, I have experienced that, and and also within the church. And so, it's 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 good though. I like yeah. that. I learn from those experiences because it keeps me sensitive because the reality is is yes. that's happening way more than I even realize to other people. And there are other minorities that are probably dealing with it way more and even at a higher intensity level. And I think we just need to stay woke. (laughs) I mean, I really do because if not, like we will lose our sensitivity to the fact that there's people out there being treated um, and being discriminated against because of the way they look and I just, I think even within the church, we just need to keep our eyes open and stay sensitive to that because there's a lot of hurting people out there and we can be an encouragement to them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've, I've been in these conversations recently regarding, um, discrimination and, um, as it relates to those of us that are pastors in the church. And sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm out in the city and just talking to, um, just people out there and maybe they're not churched, uh, or what we would call they are the unchurched. Um, a, a lot of times they would say something to me like, um, you know, we feel that the church is blind Mm -hmm. to kind of these hurts and these pains that people are currently, currently experiencing. Um, how does a church or maybe how does your church, uh, respond to these kinds of, uh, discrimination and, and, and pain points that people may be, may have as they walk in and out of your doors every Um, you know, one thing that I recognize is under, if, if people could just understand, 
okay, what is the demographic and what is the diversity ratio within my church? Um, because if, if it looks majority Mm. of one thing, then you're, you're, you have to be even more conscious of the fact that you could be in a little bubble and not recognizing the issues outside of the bubble that looks like you. Mm. So that's the first thing I would just recommend to churches is, is if, if your church looks the same, then there's issues outside of what your church looks like. We are very blessed to be a part of a church right now. That's very, very diverse. And I, and I'm not just saying, uh, you know, Caucasian, African-American, I'm saying like all over the world, like international church, you know, people from Philippines and Ghana, uh, you know, just all different nationalities Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. And, but there are a lot of conversations about race uh, that we're having within our church, um, even on social media. And what we try to do as lead pastors is foster like where we're, we're teaching, it's good to have these conversations the church needs to be having them. They need to be having them. And many times they're not. And or they're having them, but everybody's having them within their own circle. And what we need to do as the church, because we're brothers and sisters, is we need to be having them with people that do not look like us. And so we can, number one, first go into it with listening ears to say, tell me about your experience and let me hear so that I can become sensitive to what you've been through and then vice versa. And then also we, we say it from the stage, you know, when, when real issues happen, were happening and are happening in our nation, we address them on Sundays and it's very, it's not popular. We, we, you know, there are times people get offended by some of the things we say, when we talk about race, it does like someone gets offended, like at the end of the day. Um, and so we know, but it's, it's worth Mm. that risk. That's one of the risks we're willing to take because we know that these conversations need to be had. So for instance, um, the week when the, the white supremacy groups were rising up and things, and it was a really scary time, um, for a lot of people within our church. And I remember my husband going up there and saying, we're going to talk about this today. And, uh, he didn't, it wasn't on his sermon. It was just another part of our, our service. And he just said, listen, we don't believe that here. And if you think that there is a higher, you know, race, uh, you're in the wrong place because we believe that all people are equal and we will not stand Mm. for that kind of mindset here. And so he just really, and, and then he also said, you know, if, if you're a brother and sister in Christ that, that has, that has caused fear or whatever, he's like, I just want to encourage you that we're going to be a place that loves everyone, et cetera. And he, he didn't spend a lot of time, but he did address it. And I remember this is one of the things, the things that I will never forget that day Mm -hmm. after service I had, um, and it'll bring me to tears because when someone's crying, I'll start crying. But you know, I had African-American women come up to me with tears streaming down their face. And they were just saying, I'm please let your husband know. I'm just so thankful that he addressed that issue. He's, and one of the ladies said this past week, I was so fearful about, what was going on that I would, I locked myself in the bathroom, just crying and praying like, God protect me because she was scared of what could have happened to her if she walked outside of her doors. And I like, I was just so thankful that we were having these conversations that people were being very vulnerable about what they were dealing with in their homes. And I had no clue, you know, and, uh, I was just so thankful that, that they shared that because I, and I, of course I went back to him and said this person. And then another, um, she was an older African-American woman and she was crying and she's like, I, I'm just so thankful that a white pastor would talk about these things because these are real issues and they're just as real within the church. And, um, and there was just so much fear that week. And so many people felt just encouraged and they felt unified with their church and they, they felt that, that safety within their church. And we need to have those conversations. And, and of course I'm just being real, but people walked up to him, um, and said some things about like, well, they're just offensive things. Um, that from the, from a white perspective and it was, you know, Jeremiah just kind of just shook his head. Like, you know, there, some people just don't get it, you know? And, 
but he's like, I'm just going to keep talking about it and we need to keep talking about it. And so I just believe that the church needs to rise yeah. up and encourage these conversations and, and talk about things with people that, and yeah. there's some people that you may not always agree and that's okay. But the best thing that we can walk away with is a sensitivity to one another and, uh, that we're growing in love and having those conversations. Right. Right. What would you suggest? Um, you know, not everyone listening to this episode will have the privilege of, you know, kind of like a stage platform where they get to share something, you know, maybe in a sermon or, or something like that. How would you suggest um, we go about having kind of these one on one conversations as we grapple with uh, I race think reconciliation? Use the platforms God gives you. And it doesn't always look like a literal platform, like on your social media. Um, I, we see that a lot within our church. People use their social media to have these conversations and it's, it can get pretty intense. Um, but, I, you know, as long as we do things in love, it brings awareness and it starts conversations. I know that there's been conversations that were started on social media that were followed up with on yeah. Sunday, having a face to face with people within our church, um, people that disagreed with certain posts. And, but it, I, I look yeah. back and this, this was like months ago that someone got offended by someone's post and, you know, we were kind of drawn into the conversation and it was offensive to them. But to this day, they love each other and they had those hard conversations face to face. And that's another thing is, is cause we have small groups in our church. Um, and so we encourage it, like talk with it, talk with each other mm -hmm. in your small groups. And those conversations are being had. And I love that because people will come and tell me we're talking about this in our small group. And you know, it's, it's sensitive because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and you don't, but you also want to learn and you want to know, like, I don't get that mm -hmm. perspective yet. Please help me. And it, it, the, the truth is, is it can get awkward, but it it's good. Like yeah. push through the awkwardness, push through the comfort you know, uh, the, the discomfort so that we can get down to some real genuine, uh, conversations. So having those conversations, uh, with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, and then lovingly using social media as well to bring awareness, um, and talk about it in your family. Like we make it a point, like that's right. the starting point for sure. Like, Training right. your kids in understanding that these are issues that are still happening, even talking to loved ones. Like I've, I know there, there's some family members in my, you know, in my family that I still have to have hard conversations with because they don't necessarily understand, um, other perspectives. Um, and so, and being sensitive in that, but yeah. even with our kids, like it's so funny because I have that sometimes we share what's on the news with my nine-year-old daughter and, she like you, you can see her innocent face, like where her eyes are open, like people are still treated like that, you know, like because she's learning about American history and what has transpired and stuff. Right. And it that alone baffles her of what people had to go through. Um but then when she finds out that people are still treated differently because of the color of their skin she, you could, if you could just see her face, it just, she shakes her head at it. And she's like, but why? Like, it was so funny. This is like such a, a like an innocent comment, but like weeks back, like we were sharing, yeah. um, something that was happening current in today. And she, she's like, but, but I thought Martin Luther King Jr. Solved all of that. You know, <laughs> like she, she, that was her response. Like, yeah, she's like, but that's why he died. He died so that everyone would know we're all equal. Right. Like, why is that happening? Like her innocent mind was kind of like, why is that still an issue? You know? And, uh, and so I had to tell her like, unfortunately that's still right. a big issue and people are still treated this way. And she's like, but that's wrong. You know? And I was like, I know, I know it's wrong. And so it, it's, it's hard, you know, sharing yeah. that with a nine-year-old girl, but letting her know, um, Hey, you also have some privileges because you, you know, of, of the way that you look, you know, and even though she's part Pacific, not Pacific Islander, she also looks white, you know? And so I, I have to tell mm -hmm. her you have some privileges, um, and not everyone 
experiences mm-hmm. life the way you experience it. And so it's important that you stay sensitive and that you also use your privilege to stand up for those that don't have that privilege. And so we, I'm having these conversations with a nine-year-old girl and it's important. The, the, those are my yeah. avenues. It doesn't always show up on, on a stage on a Sunday morning. I think that's probably the more powerful thing where I'm equipping someone to be able to bring that sensitivity to the world. So yeah. Um, so we've been heavy, uh, (laughs) most of this episode. So let me, um, let's try to kind of bring it up a little bit. What's beautiful in your world right now? Yes. I love that question, by the way, Miko, like (laughs) that question is not getting asked enough. And I'm like, I am totally asking that from now on. I'm like, that is going to be a staple of mine. And I will give you credit for that. Um, I would say the most beautiful thing right now, number one is, is spring is, is emerging very slowly. And so the sunshine and the warm air and just being outside is, is really beautiful. But I would say the most beautiful part of my life is the community, community I have with my neighbors, like my literal neighbors. And this is something that I've wanted for, for years. And so the way that my neighborhood is set up, our houses are all alongside each other. And then there's how the, the there's houses that are butted up against our backyards. And so we're all like attached. When I first moved here, I was kind of like, Ooh, there's no privacy. You know, (laughs) I don't really like this. I'm not used to this, but it has actually turned into a blessing because you're kind of, you know, I hate to use the word forced, but you're forced into like interacting. Um, and I want that, but also there's, there's a part of me that's also likes to be private. Um, but I am hanging out with my neighbors regularly. Like we are going to each other's kids birthday parties. Like we're hanging out just the other day. I hung out with my neighbor on mother's day and we just had tea and dessert uh, or coffee and dessert. Um, she just invited me last minute. Hey, you want to come over? You know, the kids are playing outside. I was like, yes, you know, like, um, I'm meeting more and more neighbors. Uh, We're texting each other. I'm like, Hey, feel free to send your kids over if they're, they're wanting to play outside. And like, I am doing life with people like outside of the church world and, and just doing life with my community. And I just love it. It's, it's really special to me and it's very refreshing. So that's the most beautiful thing in my life right now is, is being in community with my community. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love Mm -hmm. that so much. Mm -hmm. Um, what is something that you've been loving lately, like just completely obsessed with lately? Ooh. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I guess I, I, could I, can I talk about like music and movies and yeah. things like that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would probably say this is, I hope, I don't know. I don't know how people are gonna feel about, but I am <laughs> loving, um, the greatest showman right now. And okay. <laughs> I know that's been out for a while and I've been listening to the soundtrack. I'm being so cheesy. And part of it is because my kids love it so much. Um, and they love the music and they're reenacting the scenes and just doing the dances and stuff. And it's like a legit, incredible musical. So I yeah. am loving that. And, um, I'm watching a show on Netflix called Anne with an E and it's basically a remake of Anne of Green Gables. And that one's really good too. And so it's, it's really fun to watch and, it's uh, this girl. And the reason why I like it, because it's, it's about a young girl and she's growing up and she's an orphan and she's getting adopted um, by this brother and sister who never married. And so anyway, I don't want to give too much into it, but she has the best imagination and appreciation for life. And so it just like causes me to just want to appreciate life even more and see the beauty yeah. in it and slow down. So those are some things that I'm really, really loving. Um, and I am also just trying to push myself to take time to create, um, and make things beautiful. And so things around the church and stuff like that and beyond decor, but even just, you know, creative pieces, like even this small, but like our mother's, you know, photo booth, mother's day photo booth and things like that. Just taking time to, 
to look it up and, and figure out how to create things that are beautiful. So uh, mm. that takes that it takes a lot of time to set aside or not a lot of time, but a lot of effort to say, I'm going to set aside some time just sure. to create. So, so one final question before we go, um, and this is a, this is a really big one. Okay. If you had one minute to address the world, everyone is paying attention, no distractions. It's you mm. and the world. What would you say to every single person on the planet? Wow. I would say number one is, or not number one, the only, the only number is <laughs> discover who you were created to be and why you were created to be that way and be that with everything that you have. And as much as you can, try to silence all of the comparison games and do, and just be aware of all of the things that, that try to make you feel like you don't measure up or that you need to be someone different because the truth of the matter is, is I believe one of the greatest ways that we're going to be able to impact this world in a positive way is by us being who we're fully created to be. And I think too many people are trying to be someone they're not and, and, and they live lives feeling inadequate, less than, and you will never, you will never accomplish everything you were supposed to accomplish feeling like that. And, uh, just, just recognizing that and that yeah. everyone has their own specific calling and, uh, own wiring. And so discover what that is and go at it with all your heart, hustle, work hard, and you will impact this world. <laughs> That's so good. That is so good. Finally, Bianca, I wanted to kind of share with you the impact that you've had on my life, on my wife, Simone's life. Um, I just think you're one of the greatest human beings on this planet. And I say that, um, with some depth, uh, that I can't really get into on the show because we just don't have enough time. I think one of your greatest strengths is your ability to hear people, um, your ability to see people, um, see beyond, um, kind of the outward skin that they may be putting on, um, and your mm -hmm. ability to just take time to do both of those things. And I know that over the years, uh, since I met you, you have done an incredible work, uh, to see us and to build relationship with us and how you, how you do ministry and how you, um, how you are as a wife, um, and just, uh, just a leader, um, is really inspiring to us. And, uh, when we, when we're thinking of, okay, um, maybe how, how would we handle something? How would we interact with someone, you know, in relationship, maybe there's a, um, there's a conflict and, 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 and a resolution that mm. needs to be had. We will often say, what would Bianca do? And again, I say that with, with a lot of depth that I can't get into because of time uh, today, but really you have been such a great inspiration to us. Um, we love you very much. And uh, I want to just thank you so much for being a part of the Altitude Collective and uh, being a part of our lives. Thank you, Miko. That, that means a lot. I was like, oh my gosh, I need a box of tissues. <laughs> but I love you guys so much. And you guys have since day one, since the first time I met you both, like it, you have impacted my life and I love being around you guys. And you guys are some of the greatest listeners I've ever met. And because of that, you guys are magnetic and people just want to be around you. And it's an honor that you invited me. And thank you. Thank you for encouraging my heart today. Thank you.